Do you love the pasty tapes? Do you want to keep this project sparkling? There's two ways you can show your support. Join the Pasty Tapes fan club and unlock special sneak peeks and fun goodies. You can also support by sponsoring a whole episode. To learn more about the Pasty Tapes fan club or sponsoring an episode, visit thepastytapes.com. Hello, ducklings! This is Blanche Debris, and you're listening to The Pasty Tapes, a burlesque podcast by Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pasty Tapes. I'm your host, Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling. I'm so honored, excited, just like absolutely grateful to bring you today's episode. I know I've done some cool stuff in my life, but this is definitely up there. I'm just, I'm so proud that I was able to do this. I'm so happy that they wanted to be a part of the podcast. I'm, I'm really excited. Okay, let's jump into it. There's a new autobiography out from burlesque legend Marinka. Her book is titled Marinka, From Havana to Burlesque, which she co-wrote with Lily Starr. I highly, highly, highly encourage you to buy this book if you haven't already. You can find it at marinkabook.com. Today, Marinka and Lily are here to dive in a little deeper into Marinka's life on and off stage. This conversation dives into Marinka's start in nightlife as a female impersonator. We talk about performing in different places around the country. We also cover her trans experience and, as she put it, her journey to realizing her childhood dream to becoming her true self. This conversation is both deep and delightful. I am in love with Marinka. I adore Lily, and I hope you do too. Let's get into it. This is my conversation with Lily Starr and Queen of the Amazons, Marinka. Hello. Hello, Marinka. Hi, how are you? I am good. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm here with Lily Star. Lily, say hello to someone. Hi, how are you? I am very nervous and very excited <laughs> to be talking to you. Don't be, don't be. I know you already told me last week not to be nervous. I can't help it. Like you're such a big deal. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Are we ready? Yes. Marinka and Lily Star, thank you so much for being on this episode of The Pasty Tapes. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you very much. Tell us how you got started in nightlife and how you made your way into doing burlesque. In the nightlife, I started as a female impersonator. You know, today they call it drag show, but it was not the same. It really wasn't because in those days... Um, the people, the dancers or the singers, if you did, did sing, you did live sing. And I'm sorry. And you did a live sing. You sing your voice. You have a band who back you. You needed to have talent. See, in those days, people need to have talent. Just to wear a pair of latches and wigs and uh, flamboyant costume will not make it. So was very competitive. A lot of them were very famous. I was talentless and nobody knew me. That's exactly how it was. 
I never thought in my life about being in show business. I don't come from a family of show business, even so one of my grandmother danced flamenco for living, but I never studied dance when I was growing up before I joined the Powerpuff. I never thought of myself going to do anything in any stage. That was totally out of the question. Then again, when I was hired, they teach me a little bit about being a choker in those days. Even in, in a small show, we'll have a minimum of an opening and a finale with every member of the cast. I mean, you did an opening to warm up the audience and, and then the MC or today's they call host or hostess will take from there a bigger show. We have an opening, a production number in the mirror and a finale. So they needed to have showgirls. They needed to have a couple of people even if it was a small show, that will spice the audience because they give a certain costume or a big hat or a panache. A panache is a setting of a lot of feathers and you will put either in the shoulders or in the waistline and will, will be falling and out and up uh, all over your body. So you look terrific on it. They teach me the basics. They teach me how to walk. They teach me how to pose. That's how I begin. And then, because I learned to like it, you know, I was making better money than a dollar an hour as I did before. It was nice to able to, to meet all the people, all the different ambience. That's what was the scene in the United States in the 60s. You have to understand one thing. The United States used to be a very conservative country. Nothing like you see today. Being gay was out of order. It was not legal to be gay. It was gay people. And they have to be very careful because it was a lot of laws against the gay people. And one of the laws can take a gay guy into, into jail because it was a, a, a Sodoma, Sodoma law, which, uh, um, punish anyone, and uh, anyone who did, uh, any kind of, of, um, kind of sex where will be anal sex or anything like that. If people will go to a, a nightclub or a nightclub will have, like, say, a female impersonator show, the owners used to require 
the day to walking in men, men's clothes and they leave the club in men's clothes because you never know if outside wasn't on the cover and will arrest the people. And they also could take the liquor license of, 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 of the club, you know? In New York, was gay bars, but it was gay bars and people go and they just stay and have a drink and talk to each other, but they could not dance or anything like that because it wasn't on the cover on it. It will close the joint immediately. Men's were not allowed in women's clothing on public. They will take you to jail for that. So that make it very interesting for people to go in and watch a female impersonator show because it was something that they don't see. It was very professional and like it was only in big cities like New York or San Francisco, uh, places like that. They were cities like Miami. Then you can do a female impersonator, but you could not wear a wig. You can paint your face in boys' clothes and do what you have to do like that. But you could not wear a dress or a wig. What I really want to do and the reason that I went to work in those female impersonator shows was mostly and only to make the extra money that I want and I needed for my future operation. In those days, was not very easy to find a doctor who put you in hormones treatment. It was not very easy to find uh, that particular medical field. You know what I mean? So it was expensive. And then beside them, it was expensive. They will need a lot of things, psychological evaluations and so on. It was not like today. It was, first of all, they were not trans whatsoever. Nobody hear anything about trans, men or women. It did not. It have been some famous uh, people, couple of them, who have the transition done, as a matter of fact, a lot of people that I met who were gates, when when they used to talk to me and they don't know if I was a girl or I was a boy, they were totally against it. So it's not like the straight people was against you and then the gay people was on your side. No, 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 no. Gay people was also not acceptable of this situation because it was the unknown. Do you know what I mean? They didn't know where to place you and they didn't understood why you wanted to be this, this way. So in the 60s, there was no such thing as tramps. There were Male impersonators who work in different shows, from very big shows like Jewel Box Review to a small show, but they were not such a thing as trans. 
So you needed to pass. And when I say a person who was doing what I did needed to pass, you needed to pass a cigar. Because if the police will discover, they will take you to jail. I mean, basically, you spent not quite 10 years, but close to it, you know, spending every day trying not to be discovered. Every waking hour, every time you left the house, every time you worked a job, every time you got in a cab, anywhere, that was the situation that she was living under. That sounds exhausting and scary. And I'm so grateful that you're sharing your story. And I know that listeners of the podcast and your fans are just honored that you're sharing this. So I want to quote something in the book. You mentioned that your friend Baby put the forced hormone pill on your tongue. And while he was doing that, he said, quote, what you want requires doctors and money. You should work as a female impersonator because you'll lose your job at the factory. Something that people are excited to hear about more is, you know, your coming out story and why coming out now. And if you feel relief after all of those years to be out. Let me clarify. My friend Baby Mattel decided was a gorgeous human. He was one of the most talented person I ever seen in a stage. Okay, he was a ballet dancer, he danced in point. He was beautiful as a boy or as a woman. And because he have so much experience in the situation when I met him, I was not even in a stage yet. So he knew what was going to happen. He foresaw seeing me, my breast growing, my hair growing. I I'm work under those circumstances in, in the factory. And it was true because in the end, they fired me. That's why baby helped me and you know I was just few months in New York when I met him and what did I knew where to go I told him what I want and he said well I help you I he had a friend who who, who have a, a pharmacy and he was able to get me well why I come out now well first of all if I were to come out, say, 40 years ago, I would not not able to do the things that I did in burlesque. I would not uh, travel to all these fabulous places. I would not, uh, as a woman, able to, to create a name in burlesque. I would not able to have the lovers, husbands, and affair that I did have. So I could only do it by passing myself as a woman. And because it was the times, it was not like today. Today, somebody who do a transition is, uh, you have the law. 
on your side, you know, you uh, they in the last 20 years, you have the federal government passing loads that benefit transgenders and gays and why not. But it was not like that. Even when a stone wall happened in 1969, it's still a lot of gays getting beat up in the streets of New York. Because a gang will come and see somebody who looks kind of gay and they want to beat him up because they don't want them in the neighborhood. If I were to say in the 70s of the 80s and I were to say, well, I'm going to write a book about my life and I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to take the skeleton out of my closet. Well, you know what? I wouldn't have the story that I have now. I would not have the experiences that I have now. I would not able to create a name in burlesque and being a feature in burlesque and travel international and national as a queen of burlesque. No. And I'm going to make a reference. I know someone who did it and did it big and did it with Ancorio and her name was Jennifer Jennifer Fox. She worked a lot with Ancorio, but they didn't want her in burlesque. No one of the theater played her. If a club did play her, was under certainly circumstances and uh, they were able to publicize and people, I remember people used to look at her like a sideshow in a circus. They would use, and I think it's mentioned in the book also about, and not in, in any, they didn't mean it in a harmful way towards Marinka, but the concept of using the difference or being different situation as publicity. So come see the woman who used to be a man instead of come see this beautiful woman who's a great performer. So, you know, if you didn't want that, you kept your mouth shut. Like that would be like all you would be known for or publicized as, right? That was that was like the ad copy for it. Not always, but they did do it in certain circumstances, like with this Jennifer that she's talking about, you know, that's why it was like a sideshow, you know? Right, right. Also, if you did have a relationship with men, I find out this way, okay? Because most of the men that I have met in my life, the ones who are in the book and the ones who are not in the book, because the book do not have all the lovers that I did have. I did have a lot of lovers. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I listed or talk in the book about the ones who mean something to me. Because I have affairs with people that I was working in Hush Hush, Canada or whatever. And I was going to be there two weeks and met somebody and we get along and 
hey, the girl need loving too, you know? Right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. You were, you know how lonely the road was? Marinka, tell us about it. We want to know. <laughs> yeah. The, the, <laughs> the agents say, okay, you're going to go uh, to Jefferson, Wisconsin, for example. And I never heard of Jefferson, Wisconsin. Well, let me tell you something, honey. What a trip that one was. <laughs> the plane went only to Madison. And I said, well, what did I do when I arrived in Madison? Well, the agent said, you take a taxi. A taxi is going to cost you $25 from the airport to, to Jefferson. Well, I don't know how many people was Jefferson, but I tell you this much. I, the noontime show, you had to do one show noontime and two shows in the evening. And the noontime show, the, the people who was building the roads or, or the people who were uh, doing dirty work will come and have lunch and see uh, this fabulous woman who was in the newspaper, right? Advertising. Well... How did you think I'm coming to the stage in a gown to die for with beautiful feathers all made up? It's 12 noon. I have an expensive French perfume because I love perfume. And I was <laughs> feeling a smell coming from the left side of the stage and looking around during my act, I see a farmer with cow shit in their boots. Yeah, that sounds like Jefferson, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. So did you think I ever wanted to? When, three days, I say to the owner, eight, I'm canceling you the second week. I'm not taking the option. But why? People love you. I, but I don't love them. <laughs> oh my god see so this is a little <laughs> comparison <laughs> but what I mean to tell you is that the agent will send you to any city any town any place they were only interested to make the most money so if they get you $800 they got $80 commission but if they get you a thousand, they got a hundred dollar commission. So they didn't care where they will be sending you. They was working on their commission. And some of these uh, joints, when they work only with one agent, they also used to pay a little commission on the side to the agent. So the, the agent was making my commission and the owner's commission, and, and he was doing nothing but sitting in his office in New York or Chicago or wherever he lived. Right. They weren't the ones on the stage smelling the cow shit. Exactly. <laughs> in whatever exactly. town it was. Right, right. Exactly. It was a thing that, you know, you you go... To, to a place like I remember one time in Alabama. Oh, that Alabama. Well, you know, I work at Birmingham, a beautiful club. And then from 
been two beautiful weeks in Birmingham. My next job was in Dotan, Alabama. Now, not only Dotan was very small, but you only had it one place you could go and eat, and it was a diner. It was no beautiful stores to see. So you work from 8 to 2, in the evening till 2 in the morning, and you do two shows. And then, you know, you go home and you go to bed and you get up at 10 or 11 o'clock, whenever. And you have the whole day to you, to, to watch, uh, you know, the, uh, television, the soap operas. So if you, again, I'm going back to the lovers. When you met somebody, you like it. Um, with me, they have to make it worth a while because uh, I, I was never was a free love. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't work with me. They had to be a little bit generous and do something for me. But at the same time, it was company. And and like I say before, you know, it was a lonely place. Because a lot of these places, the only one from out of town was the feature. That's me. They have a couple of girls in the club, then they were house girls, and those girls were mothers and wives, and they come and they work and they go, and, and, you know, some of them were not even friendly. It was very lonely, the road, very lonely. So imagine what would it be to go to one of those small towns advertising yourself as a sex change. It, it was not possible to be a, a good a good experience at all. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, so the time was not for that. And on top of that, you know, during those days, I, I have husband and, and it was just not the time, not the time. I think I... I choose the right time now when I'm old, when my experiences could help uh, anybody who is looking to have the transition that I have. I hope with my life and the way and what I did with my life and the places I went and how successful I went and what I I choose to be, then they can understand and put in their mind that not because they are transgender, they have to be in the dark. Then today is a lot of help. Then today they are a legal sense God. Then today are wonderful doctors, more science, they are ahead of the times. And today, people is more, they will accept more. So it's nothing that they want. They don't have to become a stripper and they don't have to try to do with stage and entertainer or anything like that. But they, I hope I'm able to give them the courage 
to tell them, well, look, it's no reason why you can go to a corporation and be a top executive because you are a transgender. Today, that is possible, which in my days was unheard because it was against the law, number one, and because the people were in denial. That's the word, denial. In my days, people were denial. They were in denial. That's what happened. Well, another thing that I find interesting, too, is, you know, I, I'm not sure what time, what year it was when all this stuff was going on with Caitlyn Jenner initially. But the other thing is, is that she, well, I only reference it in the concept of Marinka has been working on this book for like over six years now. Right, right. Yeah. So she didn't just decide at 80 years old to tell everybody her story. She decided a long time ago to tell everybody her story. So it's not even like a bandwagon situation or something like that. It was she was ready to tell her story and it has just taken due to different circumstances this long to get the story told. Oh, my goodness. Of course. Yeah. I just think yeah. wanted to put that out there. Yeah. that She actually is even more of a maverick than it may seem, you know, because she's ready to do this when uh, it wasn't year, quite as. Years ago with Julie Bowe. Right. Right. Julie, so like eight or nine years ago. Julie Julie vote, um, you know, and then Julie passed away. That's who uh, yeah. Marinka initially started working on this book with. Yeah. When you think back that long ago, even the way the world was, the world wasn't even quite as accepting as it is now, no. you know, and she still was willing to tell this story. So I find that extremely amazing. And another thing that I think people learn in the book, but may not realize as much if you don't get to spend time with Marinka all the time is that, she is so educated without being educated. It is unreal. She's always been very independent. So that has taught her a lot of things like, well, what do I need to do? Where do I need to go? I will get this done. Right. And that's pretty clear in the book. I think you had friends who taught you things, but yes. when you're reading the book, it's like, because the book's written in English, it's like, we're forgetting that when she came here in 1959, she didn't know a lick of English. Nothing. And so I just find that, I find that one of the most interesting things about Marinka. Yes, she's an amazing burlesque performer and has had this incredible career and this incredible story. But she, as a person, and the knowledge that she has, I mean, I'm serious. If you, you could bring up any subject and she will know about it. And she doesn't just say, oh, I know, like I'm a know-it-all. She's actually read something or spoke to somebody who knows about it. And she will give you that information and that help. And then not to mention, you know, all of the different entertainers that she knows from other countries that are just amazing that we Americans have no clue, no clue, never heard of, we're not exposed to. And these people are like, you know, like they put some of our celebrities to shame. Right. And we don't even know who they are, but she does. And so if you get to hang out with her, you get to see some of these people in action and learn about them. And and that's just amazing. So the facets to Marinka are just never ending. They're never ending. There's always some other new facet that you'll find about her and her knowledge and her life and her passions. 
daily almost, you know? So, and I just want to put that out there because those things are all touched on in the book, but the, the degree of how expanded they are is infinite almost. Thank you, Lily, for bringing that up. You know, education, like going to school and learn, I have limited. I only have seventh grade or something like that. But I always did have a desire to learn things. If I saw something that I did not like it, I wanted to know why I did not like it. And if I see something that I did like it, then I want to know what is it that I like so much. I, did, I, I guess that's the desire of wanting to improve my myself and my life. Uh, I don't know if, um, you know, uh, for example, I'm going to tell you something. A lot of people, a lot of other people like me, all the people who have been through the transition, all the people who are sex changers, they've been against me for me coming out. Couple of them, it was one who threatened me. And I said, well, I don't want to get into a deep thing because I didn't mention their name in the book. Right, right. But she was out to, to, to try to stop me mention uh, her name in the book, even so than she was uh, basically the first person I met in my life who who liked uh, the same thing that I like, like wearing female clothes and so on. And she did try and, and somehow succeed. We are no friends uh anymore, but uh, she was totally against it. And then it was another one who called me and, and I don't, but not this time, no, when, when I was uh, uh, writing the book with Lily, because Lily is a wonderful, wonderful person. She has helped me a lot in so many things. And and I have so I am so grateful for her. I mean, we we really have a beautiful relationship. I look at her like a sister. Believe me, when I was writing the book prior to Lily came to the picture, I have a lot of problem with the other co-author that I don't want to mention. And of course, he's been a very good friend of this other person, they both was working against me, which it was, it was good that I have always have to fight in life, you see, because nothing, when I left my mother's house, I was alone. I was alone in a big city where I did not speak the language. And I didn't know what what was going to be for me, you see. So I learned very early in life that was me against the world. Yeah. 
and that gave me a strength uh, because in many, many clubs and theaters I work with women, with other dancers, other exotics. Then they used to sit down just to tell the other customer, oh, you see her, she, she was a man before. Sometime today when I saw those women in behalf, they say hello to me and they want to uh, to have friendship with me now. I don't say nothing to them. I figured, you know, we both got older and whatever, but they gave me a lot of hard time. I want you to know. Lily, you something about it. Yeah, and, and, and well, and, and the, the concept of the threats, I think, is fear. You know, they know that she knows things and they know that she could say things and they don't know what she's going to write in her book. So it's fear. It's total fear because they don't, they're not ready to tell their story. So, you know, everybody was kind of in a panic of, oh gosh, what's Marinka going to say, you know? Right. What's Marinka going to say? What's Marinka going to say about me? Like, what did I do? You know, or something like that. Yeah. And this constant, you know, going places and, you know, people saying, oh, well, we, you know, we had to cancel you because we heard you were a sex change. Or if you read the chapter on mixing clubs, which was like <laughs> that chapter. Right. It's okay. Um, you know, it was, it was kind of hilarious, that chapter. It, it was uh, something that, it, you know, we knew we wanted to write. We were trying to figure out how to fit it into the whole timeline of the story, you know, and it was a little crazy. But here's one woman sitting at a table saying that you're a sex change. And then the next thing you know, you're being invited over to that table. You don't know why. You don't know if it's just so they want to sit there and stare at you because they think that you're a man or used to be a man or, you know. So it was just a very uncomfortable and hurtful situation, you know, a jealousy thing. Yeah. Oh, well, I can get her by saying this because... And the, and the funny thing is, is these people were older than high school. And typically you think you'd learn after high school that you, you know, high school age that that doesn't get anybody anywhere in the end. You know, it just doesn't get you anywhere. You can have that one moment, but it really doesn't ever get you anywhere. And it just makes you look bad. But that, you know, that doesn't help someone in Marika's situation of not having to experience that. And again, to feel that much more alone when you're traveling from place to place. Like already in a lonely job and already naturally, right? The other girls are going to be competitive. And then this added layer. Yeah. It's almost like going to a new school every week. Every single week. And also, you know, Marinka, you're incredibly beautiful. So not only are you going to a new school, you're also the prettiest person anyone had ever seen in, you know, the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Exactly. Well, you know, one time I got to a club in Georgia and this club was the diplomat. The name of the club was the diplomat. It was a woman, a German woman, who owns the club. She was married to a policeman, the chief of policemen of uh, Columbus, Georgia. And, you know, Columbus, Georgia have a lot of uh, bases and things like that. So the club was full of GIs and why not? So when I came in, she said to me, my God. And she looked, looked, looked. And she said, but I don't see any surgery. I said, what are you talking about? 
she said, well, do you know, uh, and she mentioned this woman, her first name was Diana, and she said, did you know her? I said, well, I have heard of her, but I never worked with her because she's, I guess she's a feature, isn't it? And she said, yeah, she was a feature last week, but she told me that you have been a man before and then you have so many surgeries that was impossible to tell. Uh, but when I look at you and when I talk to you, I don't see any kind of a scarf. And it was during the day that I, that I, I came direct from the airport to, to, to the club. Uh, and I didn't have much makeup or anything like that. Well, she was totally amazed. And then she said, well, you know, welcome to the club and to the diplomat and, and uh, she said, when I'm going to try to find out where she is, and I'm going to tell her that she better go and see your doctor. So you see. <laughs> <laughs> see how it never really works for you when you're the caddy person, you right. know? That is a, that is a lesson. <laughs> that is a lesson on a lot of things. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. We, we think about it, you know, that the book is only a certain length and, and we've kind of ex- expanded on that here. But uh, one of the things, especially like these people with their fear, what's my going to say, those kinds of things. The book could have gone in a lot of directions, could have been a lot longer, would have been way more expensive, <laughs> which had a factor in it. It was also a situation of we'd start thinking about things and talking about things and I would just stop and I'd say, this isn't your story. This is things that happen around you. If we had the ability, I wanted to do a little uh, addendum called anecdotes because she's got a million anecdotes of things that she saw that happened to other performers that were funny or sad or whatever and to herself and, and, you know, different things like that. But anything that was about somebody else, unless it directly affected her life and her story and how she felt wasn't necessary. Right. You know, this isn't a, this isn't a, let me tell all the dirty laundry of everybody I ever met and what they've been through. That's their story. That's not Marinka's story. So we just kept trying to guide through and get the main part of who Marinka is and her story and also keep the book within a price range that people can afford. <laughs> right, right. Because <laughs> that's a major factor because she was, you know, insistent and I agreed with her that we wanted it to be, you know, a hardbound book and have this feel to it and whatever, you know. She's like, I want a, I want a book, you know. <laughs> right, right. I didn't know anything about any of that until we started doing it and there's a lot of factors in it, you know. Yeah. The, the, the young guy who works at the place where we mail all the books out, uh, asked what was the most difficult part of writing a book and we both stood there for half a second and I was you know obviously gonna let Marinka answer but she said exactly what I said and it was finding a publisher printer right like both of us that was the hardest part and I just thought it was hilarious that we just randomly got asked this question we had like two seconds to think about it and we both said the exact same thing yeah <laughs> in 
terms of, you know, speaking about like Marinka being so knowledgeable and, 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 you know, just knows a lot of things, right? Right. We talked for a really long time about paperweight and, you know, paper type and why you chose this particular paperweight, 70 pound paper for this book and all of the stuff that went with that. And I don't know if like, you know, the listeners of this podcast know, but, you know, I used to work in packaging for a really big pet food company. You can see my signature on the back of a bunch of pet food still. But my whole life was about paper for a while. And so to hear someone speak very passionately about paper, like literally something I would never think to talk about with anyone, let alone a burlesque legend, let alone Marinka, the queen of the Amazons, about paperweight and be able to nerd out about paper it was very exciting. It was so exciting. And that's that much more stuff that she knows that she might not have known a year ago, but yeah. now she knows and yeah. she can tell you about it because now she knows, you know. <laughs> Lily also. Lily was uh, very uh, demanding that we do the 70-pound paper because yeah. uh, she, she didn't want... Uh, you know, those very soft paper that you see the, the, the photo cannot print well and then behind is all see-through and you can yeah. see it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we had to take a lot of things into consideration yes. for that. I mean, yes. and it would have been nice, like I, what I really would have liked would be for every time it was the photographs that they would be more on a glossy, like photo kind of type paper. That would be so expensive. Exactly. And they can't do it just with the way they process the book. So it was, that was out of the question. I would get different books. I would buy different books. I went through all the books I have, books Marinka had, and I would sit there and I'd feel the paper and like measure with this little caliper thing. <laughs> okay, this is this many millimeters. So then I would like go online and look and see how, what paper weight that equaled. So if it's like, you know, 0.7 millimeters, it's 50 weight paper or something like that. And, it, you know, it was crazy about it for months on end. And then finally we were like, okay, this is what we need to do. This is the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and you know, I would love to put in that book contracts, aging letters, invitations, and different things that I gave the artists who, who did the, the artwork of the book, and he was and is such an excellent artist, Scott E. Walt. And I sent, oh, Lily sent them all these things. Well, the thing was, again, we would have to extra pay were able to put all those extra pages mm -hmm. and uh, some of them had it, uh, images and uh, uh, it was uh, the costly, you know. So this is why uh, we didn't put more. Um, like memories. And, yeah. And, yeah. You know, right. She has a lot of stuff. Yeah. And it's all organized. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> As I was doing research on you, Marinka, and, you know, people have known that you've been working on this book. I think a lot of people thought this would be the anecdotes story, that that's what it would be. Right. Like, oh, Marinka's going to spill a bunch of tea about so-and-so, whatever. And, like, that's not the case because your life is so interesting and so important on its own that I think, you know, this book is 
this book is beautiful and it's about you and about your story. And yes, okay, would people have been so excited to be like, oh, what does Marinka have to say about this? Like, sure, but then they would lose out on learning so much about you and what you've done and what you've done for burlesque and for the world at large. And so I'm, I just need to say that I'm incredibly grateful that I have this and that I've had this conversation with both of you. <laughs> Thank you. The same thing here. Yes, I am. definitely. It's a wonderful conversation. Thank you. All right. As we wrap up, at the end of the book, we've been taken on as many journeys and stories and lovers and photos that we can fit into this, you know, the page limit that we have here. At the end of the book, you're reflecting on your life. And one of the last lines is you say, if I could live my life again, I wouldn't change anything. I would live exactly as I have. I feel we all have a destiny and this has been mine. First of all, that is beautiful. Thank you. Incredibly beautifully written. And you've lived an incredible life. And so my question for you is, as we close out, do you have any advice that you want to give listeners about life in general or about burlesque? Yes. Well, about life, you cannot, you cannot be afraid of life. You have to live life and welcome the, the good things that happen to you and the bad things that happen to you because it's going to happen to every one of us. We will have times that we will be depressed, either for our life or because a member of our family or friends or, or, or like right now we're going to this pandemic, then a lot of people are, you know, afraid and a lot of people taking chances. No, you you cannot be afraid of life. You have to welcome because that's what it is. And another thing is you, whoever is listening to this and whoever wants a good advice, either in a burlesque show or in their private life, you have to give a hundred percent. You need to give a hundred percent. And when you give a hundred percent, you're gonna get the people who agree with you. So whatever is your life, whatever you want to do about life, you need to fight for what you want and believe in yourself. Ooh, I have chills. Yeah. Yeah. You're someone who fought for what you wanted. You believed in yourself and what a beautiful life. And I can only hope that mine is half as beautiful and half as adventurous as yours. I don't know if I could handle going to Jefferson, Wisconsin, but I'm glad that you did it for the rest of us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. I think that that is a hilarious and poignant place to end this episode of the Pacey Tapes. Marinka, Queen of the Amazons, and Lily Starr, thank you so much for being on this episode of the Pasty Tapes. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. What a lovely afternoon. Thank you very much. Okay, that was incredible, right? 
I remember hanging up that phone call and then immediately texting people being like, holy shit, that just happened. And it was great. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you to Lily and Rinka for sharing your story with us. I also want to say thank you to some cheerleaders I had in making this possible. To my drag mother, world famous Bob, my sibling, Bobby Barnaby, and my friends and people who told me to do the thing, Loa, Riri, Holly Day, and again, of course, to Lily Starr. Thank you for telling me to do the thing. Please, for the love of all things sparkly, call your legends. Get to know your legends. Reach out to them and say hello. Get those Christmas cards ready, but don't let that be the only time that you reach out and send them something lovely. So get in touch with your legends. Thank you so much to Marinka again for sharing your incredible story. To learn more about Marinka and to purchase her book, Marinka, From Havana to Burlesque, visit marinkabook.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Pasty Tapes. To find out more and to join the fan club, visit thepastytapes.com. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at thepastytapes. I'm still giving away some stickers, so find that Instagram post with instructions on how to get your freebie. I'm your host, Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling, and you can find me across the internet at Show My More. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you soon. This episode of the Pacey Tapes is brought to you with the support from listeners like you. If you want to join the Pacey Tapes fan club, support this podcast, unlock some sneak peeks behind the scenes, and get some fun goodies in the mail, visit thepaceytapes.com to join the fan club now. So, so, so much love to Pacey Tapes fan club members Kyle H., the man with the hat, Violet Passion, and Teresa. Extra shout outs to Big Moody Judy, Amethyst Howell, Betty Beware, Aria Delanoche, CC Bombay, Fufu Kaboom, Faye Havoc, Kitty LaRoyal, Kinetic Kristen, Kitson Sass, Madame Ophelia Red, Rosalie Bloom, Tony Tabasco, and Frisky Business. Again, if you want to join the Pacey Tapes fan club, visit thepaceytapes.com. <laughs>